0: This is Web Suasion Conversation, episode 35. Welcome to the show. I am Ryan Williams, president and founder of the Web Suasion Group and Kapoka Studios here at Pinewood Atlanta Studios in Fayetteville, Georgia. Today on the show, we have Surgeon Gavrilovic. He is a senior business banker at First Citizens Bank in Atlanta. He finds creative ways to provide his clients more capital, better structured capital, and improve working capital management. He focuses on healthcare, real estate, and equipment financing, business acquisition, and partner buyouts. Here at Web Suasion, we build mobile apps and web portals for mostly privately held businesses. they are almost always complex ecosystems of small applications that we call microservices that work together, and that requires a lot of upfront architecture and significant development work. And so the projects often range from $50,000 up to several hundred thousand dollars. So we love to work with banking partners like Surgeon to help our clients get the best deals for corporate funding possible especially when it's not something that a typical bank is going to know enough about to fund. If you are a business owner or executive at a company who is in need of custom application development and just aren't sure if it's feasible financially, give me a call and we'll talk about the cost and options. I'm Ryan Williams, 404 418 Eighty-nine oh nine, extension ten, or email me at Ryan at, that's R-Y-A-N at websuasion dot com. That's R Y A N at W E B S U A S I O N dot com. And now let's talk to Surgeon Gavrilovic. surgeon. Thanks for being on the show.
1: No, thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. So, Vinewood Studios, man. How did you land this game? That's right. Can, can I ask that we're question? In, we're in Yollywood, we wood, man. This is awesome. This is absolutely uh, we awesome. We had to
0: jump through a lot of hoops to get in here, but we got in here <laughs> so eventually. So tell me about
1: where you grew up. So I grew up in Belgrade, Serbia. That's the capital of what used to be Yugoslavia before it fell apart in the early 90s. Right, right. I left it right as it started falling apart in 92. Okay. Uh, So I got to finish high school, and about three weeks after I finished high school, I landed in Atlanta, Georgia. Wow. Wow. Yeah, 92, big year.
0: And did big you – had to pick up language and everything there, or did you already know English at that point?
1: Uh, well, I knew it not nearly on this level. I right. well, could understand a lot. That's so, good. Uh, Hollywood is, is – definitely uh, <laughs> rules our, right. our movie theaters. So yeah, I grew yeah. up watching American-made cinema. That's good. And uh, I could – at one point, I realized I could understand the, the, the movie without reading the subtitles. Wow. Uh, I had – eight years of English in schooling and three outside of school I went and wanted to learn more than the school offered. Yeah. So I took some extra classes of English so I could really be proficient.
0: So you had no high school here in, in the States. You went straight no, did you went, go straight to college from that?
1: No. I actually came as a tourist. So nineteen ninety two, war broke out. I was I would have had to serve the army in under an insane dictator that ruled our country at a time. Right. And I did not want to have any part of that. And I was lucky enough, my sister had already moved to Atlanta a year before I did. And I'm like, well, I haven't seen my sister, which was my only sibling. We grew up very, very close. And I came to see her in June of 92. And I thought, well, maybe if this thing blows over in six months, I can go home. Right. Well, it did not blow over. And I was very lucky to get my green card and I was allowed to stay. That's great. Green card process was about a three-year process. So I got my green card in 95 and I enrolled into Kennesaw State University in 95. And I was very lucky to make a bet with one of my best friends, that's still one of my best friends to this day, that I can finish college in three years since I started at 21. Yeah. And uh, I blew through Kennesaw State in three years, graduated in 98. Wow. And one of the girls I went to college with uh, was working for what was then Norwest Financial. They had a very robust management training program. And I was waiting tables and interviewing back in fall of 98. And she walked in with her regional uh, manager and- Ran out, grabbed my resume, and I got a job in uh, management training program of Norwest. Very in, cool. In fall of '98, and uh, that led me kind of on the credit path. Right. Uh, I got my degree in finance, and I kind of thought that maybe I'm going to work in the investment world. Yeah. And realized that the investment world is very much commission based world. Mm -hmm. and I did not have a whole lot of savings having graduated college. And my parents back home were living on a couple hundred bucks a month, could not really provide any support. Right. And I really needed to have a salary of some sort. And uh, Norwest had a great training program. Uh, They had great, very ambitious folks who worked there. So um, they really sold me on the idea, hey, man, you you start uh, at 24. By the time you're 26, you're going to be branch manager. You're going to be making... Twice okay. your starting salary, and then, you know, look at all these great benefits and all that other good stuff. And I, I ended up um, working for them for almost four years. Okay, I was a manager for the last eighteen months or so, and then I moved to traditional banking in two thousand two.
0: Well, what got you interested in finance to begin with? Kind of. So it, a lot of people fall was, into it. Or, so no, know?
1: I I was one of the guys that actually knew from the early on that right. I wanted to be in economics, business, finance world back in Yugoslavia, Serbia. We actually had the ability to choose our careers at fourteen. So okay. you finished what we called elementary school. It's a eighth lot of grade. pressure. <laughs> it is. Well, I mean, you you can punt and just go sure, get okay. general education that can take you anywhere. But you get on a track at fourteen. <clears throat> if, if you decide to that you know what you want, you yeah. you have the ability to choose. All my right. friends went to general education high schools. I picked a business high school, so I had the ability to study. Economics and statistics and nice. things of that nature in high school, which are not really typical. Sure. Funny enough, uh, I attributed to a father of one of my classmates that came to present. You know, there was one of those parent at school days. Uh-huh. He came to talk about his career in business and it really had me interested. And I, I, I was always used to joke around that I'm a financial genius because I always had a dollar in my pocket. Right. You know, back in Serbia, you know, it was a fairly poor country. Somehow I figured out I have a dollar in my pocket at all times. It was a joke at a time, um, but I always thought that I had the aptitude for it. And it turned out to be true. I mean, I enrolled in the college with a finance major. I declared my major immediately, Uh mapped out how I'm going to finish in four years. And I was able to finish with a strong GPA and I held on to a job the whole time I was there. So because it really came easier. I mean, I never missed a class, mm-hmm. but if I didn't miss a class, I could understand what the teacher was talking about and retain it because it made sense. I mean, I think if we understand and can appreciate what we're learning, it's a lot easier to retain it than if you're learning something you have no interest in. Right. So I was lucky in that so respect.
0: You were 4 years at that first job. I know you transitioned into several other banks like Wells Fargo and SunTrust. <coughs> like what so were you, you doing commercial loans the whole time or did you kind of like grow into that? So
1: um 2002 I got hired by Wachovia first union became Wacovia right. and they had me on the on the branch side mm-hmm. so I uh, spent about 4 years on the branch side before I moved into this role in 06. Okay. So I've been doing this for 14 years nothing but commercial lending but back in early 2000s uh, Wacovia allowed branch bankers to actually do some small business commercial, lending. Yeah. So I made my first commercial mortgage in 2003. So okay. 17 years ago but I, I will admit I did not know what I was doing at that time. I, I knew consumer <laughs> lending. I knew how to read credit reports. Right. But I didn't know how to read financial statements or tax returns and all the other stuff that we need for my job now. So at that time, I was really just collecting documents and passing them to the credit, and the credit would make a decision. And a lot of my peers to this day do it that way. They collect financials and they pass it on, and they keep their fingers crossed that the deal works. Right. In my 14 years of doing this, when Wells Fargo came on board, in 2008, they acquired Wachovia. They took us through their own credit training. Mm-hmm. So Wachovia had credit training. Wells Fargo, the loan officers at Wells really had to own the credit. Right. And they had, to, Even though they didn't have credit authority, you really were held responsible for understanding everything in it. So that was a wake-up call in Dug 2008 yeah. <clears throat> to dig deeper, to really understand why why would you support this credit if you were the one approving it.
0: Are these usually like uh, self-owned businesses or small? Like 100%, what? yeah. yeah. So it's,
1: I mean, there's a few nonprofits in there, mm-hmm. so we'll, we'll lend to churches or other small nonprofits yeah. that are not really owned by anyone. Nothing um, public, though? Nothing public, none of yeah. them. So my clients are all family-owned or closely-held businesses in some cases, there'll be three, four, or five partners. Right. Uh, but in most cases, it's one or two or three partners, 99% of the time, it's three or less partners in a business, sometimes family, sometimes not.
0: So do you have to get into like business valuation and things like that, where you're looking at doing a loan with a company like that, or? Usually not. Okay. Uh,
1: so what I do typically is traditional lending, which is buildings, equipment, working capital. Right. When we talk about a business buyout, then yes, uh, evaluation okay. becomes more important. But I'm not the one doing a business evaluation. They're, they're going to yeah. hire a third party or we're going to hire a third party. If we're doing a large business evaluation transaction, then the bank's going to actually hire a third party that's going to evaluate the value of the business gotcha. so that we know what it is we're financing. But that's maybe 2% of the, the business. The gotcha. vast majority of the stuff that I do is more traditional.
0: So you went from Wells to uh, SunTrust to now you're with- is, First Citizens. First bank. Citizens is what you came from, SunTrust. Yes, yes. And you've so been with First Citizens for how long now?
1: Since December of 17. So okay. So a little over two years. Okay. A little over
0: two years. So what distinguishes First Citizens from what you were doing before with Wachovia? And-
1: so it's a very different bank from a the, the other ones. It's crazy enough, it is a family-controlled bank. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't know that until, until I was called and asked to interview here. I didn't I didn't Which I, is pretty I, I, rare, right? It is very rare to get to this size to be a family controlled bank. So we are in nineteen states approaching six hundred locations, about yes. uh, seven thousand employees, and the grandchildren of the gentleman who ran the bank hundred years ago are running it today.
0: And they're based in Georgia, right?
1: That, uh, they're down, no, they're in Raleigh, North Carolina.
0: Raleigh, North Carolina. Okay. Raleigh, North Carolina, Which is so where a lot of the banks are. Yeah.
1: Yes. So it is I mean, it has been a breath of fresh air for me because I mean, SunTrust is a great bank. When I got hired there, they were a lot easier for me to get things done. Um, By the time I was leaving in 2017, and they were going through a lot of changes, and they were getting ready to be sold, which we didn't officially know, but you can kind of see through some of the changes that they were making that they were slowly getting ready to be sold. And it just made it a lot harder for me to accomplish what my clients asked me to accomplish. And, And at the end of the day, I'm a big believer that we all live and die by keeping our clients happy and helping them succeed. Yeah. And I find that it's a lot easier for me to do that here than it was at my previous two banks.
0: Well, let's talk about the type of clients. Are their particular industries that you focus on? We
1: were really built around lending to healthcare professionals. Uh, okay. the, the bank was built around lending to physicians, dentists, and veterinarians for a long, long time. Now, you might have seen a lot of physicians getting bought out by hospitals and practices getting larger and larger. and right. Either hospitals are buying them or private equity funds are buying them. So our pool of clients started getting smaller and smaller because we're there to bank family owned businesses, not privately held hospitals or private equity funds. Yeah. So the bank started expanding more and more out of the just healthcare space. So while I have several clients in the healthcare space, I bank manufacturers, distributors, wholesalers, construction professional service providers really are of, of, of any kind. Okay. When I look at my client base, that's 99% of it are, are in that space.
0: What would you find out of that space are the, some of the misconceptions your clients have when they come to you to get a loan? I
1: don't know if I would call it as a misconception. It's just that the, the, the entrepreneurs are always driven by tomorrow yeah. and the vision of where I want to take this business. Right. And that is critical. Uh, and I would never say that that's... Spend less time on it. That. That's actually that, yeah. very important. Right. However, in the world that I live in, which is traditional lending, I always have to l- use last year's tax returns to underwrite. So uh, it's important for me to understand where you want to take this business because the critical part of what I do is to ensure that I provide the right tools for the client to take the business where they want to go. Right. So if I if I don't understand where, where they're going to go and understand that, hey, I'm, they may need a million dollars today, but they're going to need three million a year from now, Right, I may not structure my credit facilities correctly to help them get where they want to get with the Hand right strength down the road. Yeah, That's, that's right. So it's, it's critical that we understand where they're going and what it's going to take to take there. But at the end of the day, if I'm not using my, uh, my SBA partner, I have to use last year's tax returns to underwrite. And that's the part that Sometimes it uh, gets a little hard with talking to entrepreneurs that are saying, but I, you know, I just won this contract. I'm going to do $2 million with this new client next year. Right. Well, that's great, but that's next year. But wh- where were you? How did you file your last year's returns and what it what those show? Because that's what traditional underwriting has to use. Right. We are a bank. We are heavily regulated, just like the whole industry is. So in the world that I live in, I have to use historical financials to support lending needs. While the SBA group is allowed to use projections, and that's where they can really add value by somebody either buying a competitor or doing a massive expansion, and they can say, well, okay, what are you going to look like once you accomplish that? Provide us some projections for the next 12, 24, 36 months, right. and let's see if we can use those to fund everything you're going to need versus being hamstrung by what did you do last year?
0: Are there uh, any upsides or downsides to using SBA versus uh, any other kind of loan?
1: So the upside is they can stretch unsecured debt uh, without a hard collateral over 10 years. Okay. So uh, a debt makes the affordability a lot greater. So if you're trying to borrow $2 million because you need to build out a building and hire 20 more people and, and you're going to do all these great things in the future, yeah. uh, but you can't afford to pay it back in a short amount of time, and you don't really have collateral, then SBA is the only answer. Gotcha. Um, on the flip side of it, if you're buying a building and you need working capital to finance conversion of receivables and inventory to cash that's on your balance sheet today, and you may need equipment, but you can afford the payment over five years for that equipment, yeah. then not using the SBA is a lot cheaper and faster than the SBA. Because the SBA process is still relatively time-consuming um, you're still looking at two to three weeks of underwriting time, while what we take pride in is less than a week. Okay. So th- the part where I blow away the competition is from the time that I get the financials I need to the time that I can get an approval or at least the green light from credit is usually no more than five to seven business days. I've had approvals even the same day. Gotcha. The fastest approval ever, I submitted something in the morning and got approved that afternoon. And it was $800,000. Wow. I mean, that just doesn't happen in any other institution that I'm aware of. Right. To that, to compete the, the, the speed to market, the speed of feedback with very, very competitive rates. So our size allows us to offer very competitive pricing and structure to our client base that a lot of our competitors just can't touch. Is
0: there a low end to uh, what you guys are willing to loan out to companies? I mean, do you have like a, a certain threshold that you start with?
1: So I handle requests over two hundred fifty thousand, and my branch friends handle under two fifty. Okay. Uh, you've met my coworker Rupa Bandari. Yep. Uh, she works in the branch, and her she works with a branch manager that will handle equipment needs up to two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Gotcha. Um, if it's real estate related, I have to handle it regardless of the size, but they can handle uh, equipment up to two fifty. So I, my typical client borrows around a million dollars from me okay. uh, on average, but that's not. I don't really care about a transaction. I care about a relationship. So if they need $100,000 today, they may need a million three years from now. Right. And I take a lot of pride in starting a relationship that's going to stick with me for many years to come. I mean, I have a client that still banks with me today that I started banking in 2004, two banks ago. Right. And they followed me from Wachovia to SunTrust and from SunTrust to here. And I have a bunch of others that followed me from SunTrust to here. That's nice. Because they appreciate that. I'm always going to give them an honest answer quickly and competently. And if I don't know, I'm going to tell them I don't know. Let me find out instead of making up stuff that may or may not be true.
0: With the real estate stuff, do you find a lot of people because they're having trouble finding places to rent or whatever? They're just they're literally buying land to build or or, what's the situation?
1: So the construction costs have gone through the roof in the last couple of years. So I've had folks look into that and walk away from trying to build because you can find existing structures cheaper than having to build them uh, from from scratch right but that would be a great thing to do because it is hard to find buildings to buy yeah a lot of the clients that we see just want to control their destiny i mean when you're leasing space you never know if that landlord's going to kick you out at the end of the lease because a developer came and knocked on his door and and wants to buy the whole block right and go up and you're going to be out of a place to run your business that almost happened to my wife who's a small business owner Uh, She needed to renew the lease when she was buying a second business, and the landlord would not return her calls. And lo and behold, he was in the process of selling the building, and she got lucky and she bought a space across the parking lot in the same office complex. But she could have been in a real pickle had she not found that because she bought a business that was very specific to the location that she was in, and she needed to stay in that neighborhood because her clients are within a couple of miles of, of her location. So... That's where we see a lot is folks that are tired of throwing the money out the window to pay rent and right. paying, paying off their landlord's mortgages. They want to build their own wealth. And if they're going to own that business for 10 or 20 years, that's right. a great seven-figure asset that you're going to have paid for. That's a great retirement income stream um, that uh, you get to build for yourself instead of for somebody else.
0: What's the challenge for a lot of those businesses in going from renting to to owning? Is it just having being able to get approved for the capital basically and-
1: so the down payment is, is one thing. They do yeah. need to have uh, at least 10% down if they're going the SBA route or 15% without the SBA, um, unless they happen to be a healthcare professional. We we happen to have some low or no down payment programs for healthcare professionals. Okay. So the down payment piece and then j- the upkeep piece. You yeah. buy a building and now it's yours. Yeah, and with you all, the that, that, and all the maintenance and all that. Yeah. The roof goes out, it's on you. That parking lot, a- yep. HVAC, plumbing, you it's know, like home ownership. That's right. Exactly 1000, yeah. E- exactly. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Having said that, if you plan and you budget correctly, over the long run it's a great wealth builder. I mean, there's there's just no no disputing it. It's a great wealth builder.
0: And I imagine a lot of times you're buying a building that's a little bigger than they need so they've got some mm-hmm. rental opportunities there.
1: It, when possible, yes. That yeah. is a fantastic wealth builder as well. What I tell folks that are looking to buy a building buy a building that's 40% occupied. To that landlord, right. it's a horrible asset to the seller because it's 60% vacant. To you, you have 40% to contribute to your mortgage payments right? and you get to occupy 60 and your occupancy cost may be a fraction of what you were paying in rent.
0: Do you guys deal with the leasing aspect of that, like that transition?
1: The buyer will, will go through that with, okay. with the seller. So the, the lease has to be assumable Gotcha. Uh, by the buyer, or they need to sign a new lease. Gotcha. Uh, they, they, but it's usually, that's not a big deal. I right. mean, that, that tenant, if People they're don't happy. they want to move, yeah. That's right. If they're happy, most folks don't care who their landlord is, as long as they are going to maintain the property the way they're supposed to.
0: So with First Citizens, you talked about how you differentiated from the bigger banks. Is, is there any case studies that you can bring up? Do you have any clients that you can give me an example of, of how you help them and when they can't be helped otherwise?
1: The, the bank itself prides itself on, on the, the, the process that we talked about. We're really built to serve a family-owned business. Yeah. So with our call it 40 billion or approaching 40 billion in assets, we're just not big enough to bank the Home Depots of the world. Right. So 99% of our client base is a family owned business. So that's the bank piece. Me personally, I, it, my approach is that my goal is to figure out a way to add value to my clients. Sometimes it's how they manage their working capital and how they collect money from their clients and uh, pay their vendors. Sometimes it's restructuring their, their debts so that their obligations are a lot more manageable because right. the key to running a small business is financial flexibility. It's having the ability to access cash when you need it, and when the times are tough, having your payments be as low as possible. Those right. are The holy grail of managing your, your company finances is my payments are as low as possible, but I can pay more when I want to. Right. If I need cash, I can access it very quickly. and My vendors give me great terms, and my clients pay me on time or prepay me. They have to pay me a deposit. That's an even best situation. But I had asked some clients to to provide some feedback as to what what I did for them. And one client that celebrated 50 years in business last year wrote, you spend the time to understand our business, our personnel, and our unique customer focus over our 50-year history. You help generate significant year-end rebates and greatly improve our AP relationships with our major vendors. And improved our cash flow in the process. The other client that has been um, a client for several years as well is we appreciate the constructive feedbacks, uh, providing valuable insight and solutions to our problems. We consider a surgeon more of a team member rather than a lender or a banker. That's great. I don't have patents on anything that I do. All all of my colleagues and competitors have the ability to do the same. It is behavior and it's attitude. It's what motivates you. Right. I love to do transactions. I love to finance buildings, but I really want to establish relationships like that. Right. If you need a building today, phenomenal. If you're gonna need a building five years from now, just as great. Let's start a conversation. Let's figure out, can I figure something out? I mean, I can't always add value, but I'm very proud that I've been able to add six-figure value to my clients' businesses. Right. And that's just not something that every banker strives for. I and don't
0: think. how do you source your uh, like your business development? What is your process for for going about and finding, making connections to these uh, businesses?
1: So my clients are the largest source of my ref- uh, my referrals. Referrals uh, from existing clients uh, yeah. from existing clients. Yeah. Commercial realtors would be right up there with that. Uh, Makes because sense. we have uh, we have the ability to finance eighty five percent of purchase price for for uh, owner user. Uh, buyers, and we can get to closing in 30 days, right. the commercial realtors absolutely love to get to closing faster rather than slower. Right. Um, in my previous life, if a realtor asked me, how fast can you get this to closing? My answer was always, well, I'll try to get it done in 45 days, but put 60 in your contract because things will happen that I'm not foreseeing. Now my goal is to get to the closing table in 30 days. And, nice. I, and that's just- Because you have- the flexibility yeah. with First Citizens. Yeah. We have the flexibility. We have the processes in place that uh, we built our structure so that we can get to the credits faster. And my job is to underwrite first. So the yeah. reason why my credit folks can process faster is because I do the underwriting myself before it goes anywhere. And I'm going to ask all the questions that they're going to ask first. So by the time it goes to my credit partners, hopefully 99% of the things that they would want to ask yeah. have always been answered in the credit memo that I write to present what, why, would, why should we do this as a bank. I mean, we're lending yeah. our bank's money and we're lending it long-term. Our, our loans stay on our balance sheet. So something can look great today, but it may go bad five years from now and we're going to lose everything we made in the first five years and then some. So I have to make a case, why is this business sustainable and is going to remain profitable for 15 years in some cases. And you guys I mean,
0: don't sell those loans off to other banks? We never? do not. Yeah, see that's rare because usually you're coming into a bank and you, you think you're banking with Chase, and then suddenly you're with somebody else. A
1: yeah. lot that, that happens a lot. Yeah, uh, that happens a lot in the industry, and and we are just extremely well capitalized. So yeah, it's, good. it's the, the the crazy thing when you're a family run business, uh, they're not trying to please investors on every quarterly call. Right. Every every ninety days, the family controls the bank. They own majority of the stock, and they just. Looking at the long haul. Look at the long haul. So um, our tagline is forever first. We've been first citizens for 100 years. We're going to be first citizens for 100 more. And uh, we have that long outlook on what's it going to take to get there.
0: Well, are there uh, any new instruments that you're looking forward to or anything that the bank is doing in 2020 that you're building up?
1: So we are still in in the acquisition mode. So the bank has acquired actually a Gwinnett County organization that's going to add three more branches to us. We're investing heavily in technology. We are trying to get to be considered a leader in technology as uh-huh. well as we are in customer service. So uh, there was a survey of small business owners done, and we were the highest rated Georgia institution in, in the nation of the top 50 banks. Okay, There were, I think, only two or three that were higher rated that actually don't do business in Georgia and are actually not commercial banks. They're primarily driven towards consumer businesses. So that is a huge point of pride. We, we take a lot of pride in providing the service, and now we're trying to get the technology aspect to match the service levels that we already provide.
0: So, what kind of te- like new websites and like, just uh, connectivity to software? Like that's right. The, the
1: capability to do yeah. more online and to yeah, make it good. look more seamless, uh, so that the client experience. If you go from some of the mega banks that that invest, right. 10 times that we do, right. that, that our capabilities don't look much different than theirs do. Yeah, I mean, it, it's fun. I mean, talking to small business owners and trying to figure out where you're now and where you're trying to take your business. Right. How do you plan on getting to where you want to go? And what's it going to take to get there? And then planning to acquire those resources. Yeah. Now, a lot of times it's management. I mean, the, the small business owner really needs a, a bigger bench per se right. when it comes to management because- uh, that is really the largest constraint to to the business growth is management and capital probably comes in second. Yeah. But if you plan for both management and capital, the sky's the limit. I mean, uh, one of my clients more than doubled in the last 12 months. Wow, that's And it's just, a, uh, it's great to watch, figuring out a way of what's it going to take to get there. And then how do you structure it so that you can actually pay me back under the contract and you don't, you don't set yourself up for a position where you get the money now and 12 months from now you're in default of, right. of something because you didn't take the right steps to plan. Right, right. I get really close to my clients. I get really deep into their numbers to make sure that I don't put them in a bad position at a period of time.
0: So, with the businesses that you work with, are there any common mistakes that you find them falling into that you would uh, can advise otherwise?
1: So, a, a really big one is the clients get so busy they don't have the time to work on the business versus in the business. Yeah. So, what does that mean really in a day-to-day world? Building out your management team so that you've got some the ability to expand when. Quality work, right? Um, spending time ensuring that your accounting is is done correctly, so that yeah. your financial statements, when when they get presented to you for making plans, as well as to lenders, to get you more capital and cheaper capital, that they're correct. Um, and accounting is a four-letter word to many small business That's owners, true. and and they yeah. just don't don't see the value in doing it. And however. Both investments, in some cases, small business owners will look to attract other investors. In some cases, they wanna get larger loans or access to more capital. And that is all driven by those financial statements. So if you don't spend the time on uh, making sure they're correct, then you're gonna have a hard time uh, later. The other piece is building transferable value in the business. So what does that mean? Well, why are your clients buying from you? What is that competitive edge that you have? And it comes down to people having the right teams, number one, management, but also the execution and processes. Are you building and training processes and core values that are going to make your business scalable from where you are now with 10 or 15 folks to a business that may have a 50 or 75 or or 100? I think one of my largest clients broke through 400 employees uh, in 2019, and that's That takes a lot of planning and the right management team in place to be able to get to be that size.
0: That's great. Well, Surgeon, thanks so much for being on the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun.
0: Thanks for listening to the show. We hope you enjoyed it. If you haven't already, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting network, be that Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or Apple Podcast. And also, please subscribe to us on YouTube. You can go to our website, websuasion.com, W-E-B-S-U-A-S-I-O-N dot C-O-M. At the very top, you'll see social media links. Third from the right is YouTube. Click on that and then click on the subscribe button on our channel and then click on the bell icon and that will notify you anytime we post new videos. We typically post a couple a day throughout the week And they're great little business anecdotes that you can share to your social media feeds like LinkedIn and Facebook, and it'll help keep you top of mind with your prospects as well. Next week on the show, we have Jessica Walker of Momentum Transformations. Jessica is a certified integrative nutrition health coach, precision nutrition level one coach, and dragon boat paddling trainer based in Peachtree City, Georgia. She guides your clients into the best shape of their lives and establishes behavior so they stay that way. We look forward to that. We hope you'll join us. And until then, have a productive work week.